friend Rudy. So I call who's Rudy. Who's Rudy? Who's Rudy? Yeah, who's Rudy? Oh. Who's Rudy? Who? You know who Rudy is. Come on. You know who Rudy, Rudy is? Yeah. I don't fuck. You know, who the fuck is Rudy? I don't know you anyone. Know, last Rudy. month, the Lollipop Club. You know who Rudy was dancing. You know, Ru you know Rudy. I don't. I, I, I don't know. I fucking know any. What do you mean, Rudy? So he went to the Lollipop. Club? Oh, he was at the Lollipop Club for sure. On the I stage, the grinding with everybody. I got fucked up. I like to dance. I don't. I, I don't know. I, maybe I met him. Maybe I did. I meet a lot of fucking listen, people. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. I've yet to quote the Bible in this series, but to quote the King James version too. Samuel chapter 1. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Rudolph William Louis Giuliani. Once America's hero, America's mayor, has become a laughingstock of the news, a punchline for late night hosts and pundits, and possibly the most pathetic of all the Trump mafia members. On paper, this guy was as good as it gets. I mean a real fucking stud of the legal system. He served as U.S. Associate Attorney General from 81 to 83 and U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York from 83 to 89. And in 94, he became the 107th Mayor of New York City. Seriously, a rock star. In the 80s, as the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, he led the federal prosecution of New York City Mafia bosses. He turned Times Square from a drug and porn epicenter in New York City into the veritable Disneyland filled with corporate restaurants and businesses and made it into one of the biggest tourist attractions in the country. Rudy Gazzuti was also widely credited with the steeply falling crime rates in New York, well ahead of the national average. In 2001, he was named Time Magazine's Man of the Year. And if that's not enough, in 2002, he was given an honorary knighthood by the Queen of Goddamn England. I mean, come on. So how did he fuck this all up? Well, that's the story I want to tell. You see, although he received those accolades, behind the scenes, our headline-grabbing crime fighter was not all pure of heart and most of his greatest hits had a dark lining, which I will dig into. And when you understand the real Rudy, the Rudy who was married to his own fucking cousin for 14 years, give me a minute, I'll explain that one, you will see that there's been no real fall from grace. He's always been a douchebag. Class president, prosecutor, Mayor of New York City, Time Person of the Year. These are just some of the hats worn by Rudy Giuliani before we knew him as President Trump's right-hand man. So how did he go from this? He's the mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani. To this. Rudolph Giuliani was born and raised in Brooklyn to a working class family. His father was a bar owner and served time in Sing Sing for armed robbery. But Giuliani said it was his father's criminal past that inspired him to go into law enforcement. My father would say to me, when you make a decision, the most important thing you've got to think about is can you shave the next morning and look at yourself in the mirror and feel good about yourself. Before that, he'd considered the priesthood. Giuliani studied at Manhattan College and NYU Law. He considered himself a Democrat, volunteering for RFK's 1968 presidential campaign. 
He later clerked for the Southern District of New York and was promoted to lead their narcotics unit at just 29 years old. He eventually moved to D.C., where President Ronald Reagan appointed him to the third highest position at the Justice Department. During this time, Giuliani also became a Republican, which people suspected he did for political gain. That includes his own mom, who said, quote, he only became a Republican after he began to get all these jobs from them. In 1983, Giuliani returned home as the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. He made over 4,000 convictions, from corrupt Wall Street guys to the heads of the mafia. Then in 1993, he was elected as the first Republican mayor of New York City since the 60s. The mayor couldn't pursue three terms, so he ran for New York Senate. He actually pulled ahead of Hillary Clinton until he hit a major low point. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer and divorced his wife following an extramarital affair. He also received backlash for how he handled a fatal NYPD shooting of an unarmed black man. He soon left the race. But on 9-11, everything changed. Giuliani became known worldwide as America's mayor for his strong leadership during a time of tragedy. His approval rating skyrocketed to almost 80%. Even after he left office, he was polled as the most popular politician of either party. Giuliani reemerged as a recurring character of Trump's presidential campaign. Their friendship goes way back. Of course, we know Giuliani eventually accepted a bigger role. As Trump's personal lawyer, he tirelessly defended him throughout the Russia investigation. Ironically, Giuliani's story continues to unfold in the place where it all started, the Southern District of New York. According to the New York Times, federal prosecutors are investigating whether he broke lobbying laws during his work with Ukraine. In 83, Rudy is appointed U.S. Attorney in the Southern District of New York. This is where Rudy targets organized crime, drugs, violence, pretty much everything in New York. It is also where Rudy becomes addicted to the camera and press, sometimes publicly handcuffing mob bosses and business leaders. Now again, this all appears to be great. Rudy Boy comes in, starts cleaning up crime in New York City, and goes after the mob. But here's a story you don't get. Most of the time, these arrests were trumped up charges that were quietly later dropped. Also, as he is standing at the press conferences taking a bow for his first two years in office, where his policies helped reduce serious crime by one third and cut the city's murder rate in half, what he's not saying is, while that might be statistically true, it was made up going after petty thieves, graffiti artists, dime-bag drug dealers, and the like. Low-hanging fruit, as they say, that stocked New York City jails. Rudy Giuliani was a remarkable, crusading U.S. attorney. With an organized crime epidemic sweeping the city, 1983 proved the perfect time for a bold prosecutor to re-enter New York and orchestrate his meteoric ascent to the top. He did it by enforcing the rules although he didn't always play by them. Rudy Giuliani came into office as U.S. Attorney for the Southern District in Manhattan. He was ruthlessly ambitious and, you know, had higher office on his mind from an early age. When he came here, he had a lot of support in Washington behind him. He'd been the third-ranking person in the Justice Department. 
The number three job in Washington, you're serving someone else. The number one job in New York is much more high profile. If you're coming into New York City in the early 80s, you've got to be a little bit bold in terms of what you think you can do to help the city. But you have to be even bolder if you're looking at it and say, wait, what can this do for me? He perfected the art of the perp walk, which uh, humiliated people who had been arrested by having them parade before photographers. He also knew how to get in front of the cameras himself. Uh, Giuliani was a pioneer in using the position of U.S. attorney to turn yourself into a media star. Rudy really presented himself as the answer to all of the villains of New York City in the 1980s, or, you know, name your mobster. Hopefully, with an organization like the Mafia, we will wear them down. According to Rudy, his father's hate for the Mafia was why Rudy became such a Mafia fighter. Growing up, Rudy's father had made it clear to him that the opportunities for Italian-Americans had been limited in this country because of their image, that Italian-Americans had gotten a bad rap and that this was in large part because of the mob. These are extremely dangerous individuals. They are people who have destroyed the lives of other human beings. Rudy Giuliani was this seemingly incorruptible, straight arrow, boy scout, eagle scout. He was trying to be one of the untouchables. He was a little bit of a nerd. He saw himself as the enforcer of morality. I think he liked the mafia in some ways. It was a great target, because what can you say positive about the mafia? And he was going to save the country from the mafia. Rudy Giuliani explained to me his vision of putting together a case against the entire Mafia Commission as an enterprise. There was something on the books called the RICO statute. Under the RICO umbrella, you could convict a whole family infrastructure of conspiring together as an organized crime family. And so Rudy's idea was, why don't we do that against the commission as if it is a distinct enterprise and conspiracy that we can prosecute under the racketeering law? It seemed like an audacious, very interesting plan. I was very excited to work on it. The Eastern District of New York in Brooklyn and Rudy Giuliani were supposed to share this case. But Rudy went to Washington, and he said, I'm the guy who's really equipped to do this. I should be put in charge. His mentor in Washington, the Attorney General, made it happen. So I promised you at the top that I will explain the whole Rudy marrying his cousin thing. Now in 68, Rudy inadvertently, he says, married his second cousin. Despite being cousins, they remained married until 1982. In 82, after his marriage to his cousin was annulled, Rudy remarries. This time to TV personality Donna Hanover. Hanover and Giuliani became estranged while he was serving as mayor. And Giuliani moved out of the mayor's residence at Gracie Mansion, where Hanover and his children remained. While still mayor, and still married to Hanover, Rudy begins a relationship with a woman named Judith Nathan. Then Rudy delivers Hanover the gut punch, like Tyson, breaking Holyfield's ribs. So what's he do? 
During a press conference of his, he announces he is leaving Hanover on live TV. Nice fucking guy. I don't want to turn this into an episode of The Sopranos, but this guy bounces from woman to woman more than Tony himself. He's the incest guy, and the remarrying guy, and the mistress guy. All in a day's work, for our then brightest and best. In 1968, Rudy Giuliani married one Regina Perugi, who was his father's first cousin's daughter. In other words, she was Giuliani's second cousin. The couple were married for 14 years until Giuliani filed for an annulment in 1982. The bizarre nature of Giuliani's first marriage entered the spotlight once again in May 2018 when host of last week tonight's John Oliver brought it up for comedic fodder on his show. Oliver noted the implausibility of Giuliani's claim that he only discovered that he and Perugia were related after many years of marriage. After divorcing Regina Perugi, Rudy Giuliani married Donna Hanover in 1984 and then announced their impending separation after 16 years of marriage during a 2000 press conference, which, as the New York Times reported at the time, was all news to her. As Slate detailed, an irate Hanover, who had two children with Giuliani, went on to accuse the then-mayor of having an affair with a staffer, a claim he denied because, in fact, he was carrying on a relationship with a woman named Judith Nathan. Fast forward to April 2018 and, per the New York Daily News, Judith Nathan had filed for divorce from Giuliani after 15 years of marriage. The contentious April 2018 split between Rudy and Judy Giuliani took a turn for the worst in November 2018 when Judy accused her ex-husband of infidelity. She also claimed he spent an excessive amount of money on his supposed paramour, Maria Rosa Ryan. In court documents obtained by NBC4 New York, Judy apparently claimed that Rudy spent more than $286,000 on Maria Rosa Ryan in the time period between April 2018 and November 2018, although it's not clear how it was used. After winning re-election and overcoming prostate cancer in 97, Rudy's popularity began to wane rapidly, partially due to what was seen as the radicalized handling of crime by police, including the infamous stop and frisk tactics and racial profile. Also, a number of high profile cases came to the forefront during this time. In August of 1997, Abner Luima is beaten and tortured by a group of NYPD police officers at the 70th Precinct in Brooklyn. In 1999, weaponless Amadou Diallo is shot dozens of times and killed by authorities outside of his door while reaching for his wallet. The mayor was hyper-focused on cleaning up the city streets. He pursued petty offenses like graffiti and marijuana possession to bring down the crime rate. But some believe this strategy was racially biased. The violent crime rate did drop during Giuliani's tenure, but it already began declining under his predecessor. The crime drop started before he was in office. It continued after he left office. It was also visible in most other major American cities. Uh, so was it really something he was responsible for? I, I think it's questionable, but it's something he definitely took credit for. But whether or not Giuliani's approach to crime was effective, it was definitely aggressive. His administration implemented stop and frisk, which allowed police to stop anyone and search them for any reason. The reduction in crime came at the expense of the African-American community. The last few years of Giuliani's term were racked by outrage over police violence. 
after men like 23-year-old Amadou Diallo and 26-year-old Patrick Dorsman were shot by police, even though they were unarmed. Julian, you have to step down! Enough is enough! When Admiral Luimo was arrested for fighting outside a New York nightclub in 1997, he could not have known that he was in for a nightmare that would quickly become national news. Responding officer Justin Volt, along with others, beat Luimo with nightsticks, radios, and their fists on their way to the station, but they were just warming up. Stripped of his clothes and placed in a holding cell, Luima, who was handcuffed throughout, could only helplessly submit as Volpe and fellow officers Charles Schwartz brutalized him, continuing to beat him before violating him sexually with a broomstick, which they also jammed repeatedly into his mouth, breaking several teeth. The attack left Luima with internal injuries that required three surgeries to repair, and the media quickly picked up on the incident, leading to a demonstration outside City Hall which was 7,000 protesters strong. In 1999, Volpe and four other officers were tried and convicted of violating Luima's civil rights. Schwartz was given 15 years for assisting in the attack, while three others were given lesser sentences for attempting to help cover it up. But Volpe, the instigator and chief assailant, was handed a sentence of 30 years without the possibility of parole. He is currently scheduled for release in August 2025. Mr. Diallo, who was unarmed, was killed when four police officers who were members of the controversial New York City Street Crimes Unit shot him 41 times in the vestibule of his apartment building. Many people felt that the verdict that was handed down on Friday was a green light to police officers to do whatever you feel is necessary and that the lives of young black people are irrelevant. A young man who was arrested demonstrating the acquittal of the four police officers who shot Amadou Giallo was shot while he was unarmed in the back of his head. His name was Malcolm Ferguson. All told, NYC's crime and police violence is raging out of control and Rudy's tenure is circling the drain. Just when you think he's done, one of the most heinous acts of terrorism on our soil happens, giving Redemption Rudy the platform to become the most beloved man in American politics and beyond. The stink of all of his mayoral woes is in a fateful moment all wiped clean by 9-11. His newly anointed sainthood carries him for quite a while. He was a hero. But his greed and lust for power and fame, like most narcissistic people, eventually brought him down. Oh, Rudy, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Using his 9-11 podium in 2002, Rudy forms Giuliani Partners, a security firm. While the firm grew into a multi-million dollar business, they also were heavily criticized for cash grabs with unsavory characters and countries. One example was security police training and real estate deals for Qatar, an oil-rich Middle Eastern nation believed to have ties to terrorist movements. Rudy also gets in bed with Purdue Pharma, becoming a lobbyist for the pharmaceutical company, and specifically OxyContin, the opioid responsible for over 500,000 deaths and creating millions upon millions of drug addicts here in America. 2001 was Giuliani's last year in office after serving two full terms. September 11th was election day in New York City. I mean, that was the day where New Yorkers were supposed to literally move on from Rudy Giuliani. 
we began walking north, and then suddenly uh, the other tower imploded. We kind of ran for our lives. It was a desperate, desperate moment. His performance over the next few weeks and months was magnificent. The best way to get your children to stop being afraid is to stop being afraid yourself. You know, his message was, we're going to do fine. We're going to be okay. And I think that's what really resonated with people. It's like this kind of father figure who, you know, reassured people that we were going to get through this. Giuliani was Time's Person of the Year. He was knighted by the queen. He couldn't even go to a restaurant without getting a standing ovation. God bless you, Rudy. He was one of the most beloved men on the planet. And, you know, what he did next, you know, in retrospect, may not have been um, the best use of that situation. Instead of staying in public life, Giuliani cashed in. He started a company that advised cities around the world on security. He worked for countries like Qatar and companies like Purdue Pharma. Rudy Giuliani, it turns out, is one of the guys responsible for our opioid crisis. Seriously. Hundreds of thousands of deaths. And guess who Purdue Pharma, back in the day, right after 9-11, when Rudy Giuliani was a hotshot lawyer, you know, rolling along, this is after he left as, as mayor of New York, Purdue Pharma hired him. And Purdue Pharma, we want to sell these narcotics. I mean, come on, we got to do this. They note the former New York mayor also secured an agreement that greatly restricted further prosecution of the pharmaceutical company and kept its senior executives out of prison. He knows Purdue turned OxyContin into a multi-billion dollar drug. When Purdue discovered it was under investigation, they hired Giuliani. Giuliani uh, was also working his Washington contacts. The Purdue lawyers complained to the office of the deputy, the then deputy attorney general, James Comey, that the prosecutor, a guy by the name of Brownlee, was exceeding his legal authority in wanting documents from Purdue. And so <laughs> Comey sits down with the prosecutor, Brownlee, and says, why are you prosecuting the chicken guy? Right? Comey got his information from, from Rudy Giuliani. Well, it turns out Purdue Pharma's got nothing to do with Sonny Purdue and the chickens. It's a whole different company. And Brownlee had to explain to Comey that he'd been scammed by Rudy Giuliani. Now we're all being scammed by Rudy Giuliani. In 2006 alone, he earned $11.4 million, giving 124 different speeches. But by 2007, he was ready to get back into politics. He ran for president. And for a time, he was the Republican frontrunner. But then his campaign collapsed. The Republican Party of 2008 wasn't quite ready for a pro-LGBT, pro-choice New Yorker. Also, he might have talked about 9-11 too much. There's only three things he mentioned in a sentence, a noun and a verb and 9-11. I mean, there's nothing else. He really milked his post-9-11 celebrity for all it was worth. He was never humble about it. It was a complete disaster, complete disaster. He not only lost his bid for president, but also he kind of lost his 9-11 halo. Rudy kind of disappears from public view until Donnie Trump's 2016 presidential campaign, where a borderline rabid Rudy frothing at the mouth and doing his best Igor impersonation starts campaigning for Dr. Frankenstein. After getting over the bitter disappointment of not landing a spot on Trump's cabinet, Rudy reappears in 2018. He joins Donnie Boy's legal team as Trump's personal attorney during Mueller's special counsel investigation into Russian interference and the Trump campaign's ties to Russia. 
And then the question was, you know, what does he do then? Giuliani became a regular on Fox News. He started taking on more questionable security clients, a Ukrainian mayor, an Iranian group once designated as a foreign terrorist organization. But then another New Yorker ran for president. Donald Trump and Giuliani weren't close friends in the 90s and 2000s, but they knew each other. They were both big figures in New York. They did groundbreakings and parades and attended each other's third weddings. But in 2016, they were suddenly useful to each other. Trump did not have a lot of Republican friends, and Giuliani wanted a path back to power. Giuliani endorsed Trump right before the New York primary, and he became an important supporter. What I did for New York, Donald Trump will do for America! This is also when he started showing a willingness to share conspiracy theories. Go online and put down Hillary Clinton illness. Take a look at the videos for yourself. But then the entire Trump campaign almost ended. The Washington Post published a video of Trump saying vulgar things about women. Donald Trump and the fight for political survival. Lots of Republicans abandoned or distanced themselves from Trump. I'm out. I, I can no longer endorse Donald Trump for president. Giuliani stepped up. Uh, I know Donald Trump for... Almost 30 years doesn't reflect the man uh, that I know. He's always dealt with women with great respect. So it was Giuliani who stood by him. And, you know, Trump appreciated that. Donald Trump wins the presidency. Rudy got up here. After Trump won, it looked like Giuliani's loyalty would pay off. There were rumors that he might be secretary of state. It turned out that congressional Republicans were not excited about this idea. Giuliani's work with shady foreign clients over the years turned out to be a bad look. So he went back to his law firm until Trump needed a lawyer. Then Michael Cohen gets arrested, his offices get raided, and suddenly the job of quote unquote personal attorney, but for Trump world that's always meant a kind of weird sort of fixer role, uh, opens up. Giuliani takes it. He told the New York Times, the last year and a half I haven't been on television. Frankly, I've missed it. Giuliani became Trump's personal attorney in April 2018. Now. The rest of Rudy's Trump travesties have been well documented, as one would expect, from a media manipulator. But since taking over as Donnie's lawyer in 2018, it also seems like Rudy is a double agent, trying to destroy himself and everyone in Trump's orbit. Here's a quick hit list of Rudy's greatest misfires. From his comical performance during Mueller's Russia investigation, where between his daily contradictions of himself and Trump, as well as appearing drunk or drugged up, to his Ukraine dealings causing John Bolton to remark, Rudy is a hand grenade that's going to blow all of us up. Like a zombie coming back from the dead after the Ukraine fiasco, Rudy leads a comical legal fight, attempting to overturn the presidential election with allegations of voter fraud due to the voting machines. Who, by the way, the makers of the machines are now suing him for over a billion clams. To his press conference, next to a dildo shop, to his dripping hair dye, to his roles in the events of January 6th declaring, let's have trial by combat, moments before Trump's soldiers moved on the Capitol. You can't make this up, and it's still being covered in the media. Oh, and let's not forget him drunk dialing the wrong senators 
while they were under attack, asking for a delay in certifying the election. In his real shit-to-bed moment to cap it all off, was impossibly jerking off on camera to a girl he'd been told was only 15 years old. You can thank Sasha Baron Cohen for that cinematic jewel. I here to defend America's mayor, Rudolph Giuliani. It was an innocent, sexy time encounter between a consenting man and my 15-year-old daughter have been turned into something disgusting by fake news media. I warn you, anyone else try this and Rudolph will not hesitate to reach into his legal briefs and whip out his subpoenas. In the scene in question, Giuliani is in a New York hotel room expecting to be interviewed about COVID-19 and the Trump administration's response to the pandemic. He then follows a young woman who he thinks is a journalist into a bedroom rigged with several hidden cameras. After Giuliani asks for her number and address, the young lady helps Giuliani take off his recording equipment. If the president's lawyer found what he did there uh, appropriate behavior, then Heaven knows what he's done with other female journalists in hotel rooms. In the end, what did Rudy's fealty and subservience to the Donald get him? Let's count the ways. It's a national joke, bordering on satire. He was divorced by wife three, with a nasty split in both the press and the courtroom. He's apparently in deep legal trouble. Irony abound, as the feds recently raided his apartment and offices seizing evidence for their investigation. Here's the kicker. The same U.S. Attorney's Office in New York, where Rudy made his reputation, is now trying to put him in prison. Oh, and apparently, he's so broke, he's taken a publicly begging Donnie boy for assistance with his mounting legal bill. What a spectacular fall to go from America's mayor to America's crazy drunk uncle. We're going right into this update on the Giuliani, Giuliani probe. Fed's scouring his phones. They, of course, raided his apartment. And he's still taking on new legal risk today. He was back out on his radio show quoting none other than Richard Nixon. Yeah, I'm not a crook. Rudy Giuliani knows his way around Republican politics and history. He's got to know what happened to Richard Nixon in the years after he claimed he was not a crook. Giuliani is under legal pressure. He's got an evidence-free attack here that he's accusing the feds of committing a new crime, of framing him. Of course, he hasn't substantiated that in any way. And it seems like the pressure may be getting to him as he continues to talk on the radio and other airwaves. And I'm joined now, as promised, Neil Kotchal, former acting U.S. Solicitor General. Your response both uh, to the Nixon claim, which is just wow, uh, and that type of defense he's offering. First, it says a lot about Rudy and Rudy's trajectory. I mean, this is a guy who's gone from being the top prosecutor in New York to being treated by a treated as a common criminal and investigated by the very office he used to run. And his defense is, I'm not a crook, quoting Nixon. That's not particularly good. Um, the FBI has seized 10 of his devices pursuant to a warrant, pursuant to a federal judge's order, and the judge had to certify that probable cause existed uh, to believe a crime had been committed. So that's number one. And look, based on the fact that Giuliani blurted out on national TV 
that Trump was paying off Stormy Daniels, I'm pretty sure prosecutors would be happy with any one of the 10 devices, let alone all 10. So that's number one. What does it say about Rudy? But the second and more, I think, interesting question is, what does this say about the Trump investigation? Because, mm. you know, there's a lot of people out there who are wondering, like, Trump looks like he might get away with some Stormy Daniels stuff, with other financial improprieties, with January 6th, with what happened in Georgia in terms of election pressure. Um, and Ukraine as, as well. And here now you've got the government uh, investigators with a close confidant of the president uh, and uh, who in potentially very serious crimes that Rudy Giuliani has committed. And Rudy isn't exactly the most loyal person. So I think if you're Donald Trump, you're worried right now about what Giuliani knows and what he's going to say in exchange for a deal. But I think all of this, Ari, is getting bundled into this whole question. Giuliani, and I think this is why he's doing these interviews on TV and radio, is he's trying to get Donald Trump to pay his legal bills. And, you know, count me a skeptic, with all due deference to America's mayor here, Donald Trump doesn't pay his own legal bills. You think he's really going to pay someone else's? And given the quality of Rudy's work product from, you know, Four Seasons landscaping to what he did with Stormy Daniels to his election filings over the fall in court, I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Trump actually releases a statement demanding payment from Giuliani.